0: This is halftime adjustments on WPXI now. Good evening and welcome to halftime adjustments. I'm Albie Oxenrider, and welcome to WPXI now. And with the magic of Zoom on the other end, as usual, is our partner from DKPittsburghSports.com, Dan Kavacovich. Dan, how are you? All right,
1: Alby, no complaints at all. Hey. Maybe next week, if there's any Canadian nomads around, we can invite them in to uh, participate in that halftime adjustments as well, right?
0: Absolutely. We're going to have a – we're hospitable in that way, and anybody is welcome. We're here for them. Uh, No question. As well as everybody else. Yeah, baseball's uh, ready to get underway. The Pirates uh, will be opening up in St. Louis on Friday. Uh, Let's talk about that a little bit. Now that they have restarted, they've had their summer camp, Uh, The roster is together, and they're ready to go. Are you concerned specifically with any bullpen issues that they might have? Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely. I I mean, I'm not one of those people that's all fatalistic about the Pirates in 2020. Believe me, I know most everyone is. Uh, I I like the talent that they have, Uh, certainly in the upper two-thirds of their lineup. I think more of their starting pitching than I think most people do. Uh, I think a little more of their defense than I think most people do. But the bullpen, man, I, there's, there's nowhere to run and nowhere to hide from what we've seen through this summer camp and also really through the exhibition games against Cleveland. Uh, you're looking for at least one or two guys to rise up and be steady in that process, particularly the back-end guys. Uh, you're seeing Kyle Crick spray a lot you can't have that with Keone Kella uh, on the injury list and and clearly not available to open the season. Crick has to step up and be your closer. Uh, Richard Rodriguez was just serving up meatballs the other night in Cleveland. Uh, When he's not pitching down in the zone, he's going to get slammed and he got slammed relentlessly. Um, I, don't really have any hopes whatsoever for the usual middle relief guys, you know, the the ones that were getting blown up all through 2019. But those other guys, the back-end guys, they have to be better than that. Michael Feliz has to be better than he was in Cleveland. Um, The worst thing that could happen to this team, Albie, is if they show promise in these other areas that I've mentioned, picture this, and then going into St. Louis and then coming home to play Milwaukee, and then four games against a 101-win Minnesota team and blowing leads. I mean, that, your, your season's over before it even starts.
0: Well, one of the things we've talked about for several times in the last six weeks or so is the fact that while there are some advantages to a season like this for the Pirates – there are disadvantages for everybody, and that, and, and perhaps that would be an opportunity for other teams. But injuries is something that that will be very important this year uh, because it's such a short sprint, and a team that suffers an injury in a key position could hurt them all the more. And you mentioned Kella, and 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 I, that has to be a major concern for Derek Shelton as they get ready to, to open up in St. Louis.
1: Well, it, it does, because Kelo is the one guy that they had on the staff with a, a closer's background. He did it in Texas. Actually did it pretty well. Uh, and then when he came to Pittsburgh, he was, the you know, more of the, the, the setup type guy for Felipe Vasquez. Uh, and he, he was Derek Shelton's very, very clear choice. I mean, the first day of spring training, Albie, we were all around him, and he just said, I just want to make it really plain here that, Kella is going to be my closer because that had been kind of ambiguous to that point, uh, not having him. And let's say that Crick is ineffective. I'm not burying Kyle Crick over, you know, a, a game or two, an exhibition or two, but I am looking at the fact that Crick uh, has not put the ball where he wants. His slider has actually been too effective. If you will, it's spinning out of his hand and going way wide. Uh, that that's not good. Your only solution then is to look at someone like Nick Birdie who's throwing a hundred miles an hour and who's got this wipeout slider going. That's as high as 91 on the gun. And you think, Oh yeah, that's your closer. That's your closer. And then you look at the back of his baseball card. and He's got 14 whole appearances in the majors. So you can't do that either. You know what I mean? He's not, he's not a kid. He's 27 and he's been through a lot but you still don't just hand the ball to someone in their 17th appearance or whatever it is in the major leagues and say, hey, you're the closer.
0: Well, that's the situation that they're, go- that they're in as they get set to open up in St. Louis. Um, any other impressions with camp uh, wrapping up and with the realization that they will have a, a two-month sprint to whatever? Is that the oh. end?
1: Yeah, my realization, Albie, actually came earlier today when I got my boarding pass notification to St. Louis, and I looked at it, and I went, baseball.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, isn't that amazing? This is
1: happen, right? Yeah. That it's was amazing. my real, you asked about realization, that's my realization, was I went, baseball. Now, I'm still, I mean, I've spent a, a significant amount of time over at PNC Park here for these summer camps, but I'm still not able to picture going into St. Louis, where Bush Stadium is Always packed and always filled with fans and covered in red and you know cheering on the Cardinals, being polite and all that other stuff that they do out in Missouri and uh, their passion for baseball and seeing the place empty for a real live opener with real umpires and the scoreboard going and music going. And I'm sure they're going to have the pumped in crowd noise and everything else. It's going to be weird. Like this was already weird. What's going on over at PNC. That's going to be weird times 10.
0: Is it but possible? But it's happening. But it's happening. Yeah, it's you happening, know? which is all that really matters. You think the players have are, are used to the fact that that's how they're going to play games? I mean, I guess they have to just play baseball. So,
1: yeah, they they have. I'll tell you what the 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 Pirates players are are ready to play baseball. They've not only gotten used to the fact that they're out there playing, but they've even gotten used to the masks and the bandanas and the protocols and everything else. Right. I think they've just accepted that that's what it
0: is. All right. And as you as you said so well, it's happening. That's all that matters. Yeah. All right. We'll be back. We're going to talk uh, some hockey and some football too. It's halftime adjustments, whoever may be in, in part of this party. You're welcome. I'll be with Dan and we're back after this. Welcome back to Halftime Adjustments. I'm Albie Oxenrider with Dan Kabachevich, our partner from DKPittsburghSports.com. And not only is baseball here, but hockey is here, uh, or will be here very, very soon in the form of games in that 24-team uh, format, Dan. And starting off on, on Channel 11, that's kind of cool as well. Pens and Canadians, August 1st in an 8 p.m. game. Surprises, disappointments, any other thoughts uh, with camp winding down for the Pens?
1: I'd say there have been a couple of surprises, uh, pleasant surprises at that. Uh, uh, Two players that I had presumed would have about as much chance of participating in the playoffs as either of us, Albie, were Sam Lafferty and, and Evan Rodriguez. I thought they would be the first two depth guys between center and the wing. Uh, either wing position, uh, but they've both been among the most impressive performers uh, at this camp, and more important, the scrimmages that have been played to date. Now, there are two more scrimmages. There's another one tomorrow night, and then there's another one Saturday. Um, We'll see how they do in those, and whether or not they were just the most amped up, you know what I mean? Because you'll see that a lot, too, in training camp settings. Uh, but this is a different kind of training camp. Everyone needs to be amped up. Uh, the most amped up of everyone who's been here has been Evgeny Malkin. So that's been where the bar has been set. Lafferty has been really impressive, Elby. He looks like he did, if you recall, back when he first came up last October on the road trip through St. Paul and Winnipeg, uh, when he was just a house of fire, he was scoring goals, he was knocking people over. He's looked like that in his camp. Evan Rodriguez has shown a skill set that I don't think a lot of people realize that he'd also shown at times in Buffalo, but more important for his standpoint is that he's a penalty killer. And if you're Jared McCann or someone in that third line, or maybe someone in another mix, and you're not a penalty killer, you have to understand that there's a big underscore next to those guys who can do that. Jacques Martin will fight for you to get into that lineup with Mike Sullivan. So, those two guys have been a very pleasant surprise to me. It doesn't mean they're going to start – they're going to be in game one. I'm just saying that I think they've, it's been a great uh, boost to the Penguins to have them performing as they have.
0: Um, and, and being able to get injured players back is, is so important. And, <sighs> and, yeah, and if this, if this long layoff is uh, – if there's any silver lining to that, certainly for the Penguins, it's the fact that they've been able to get some injured players healthy.
1: Uh, And they also had a couple get banged up, obviously. Uh, Sidney Crosby tried this morning to take the ice, uh, and actually he did by himself take the ice for a little bit before practice on his own. He skated back to the bench. He looked over at his sticks, picked up his sticks, and went back off the ice. Now, whether that was the plan or whether it was him going out there and being disappointed, who knows? Uh, One thing that we do know is if he's out there participating and doesn't have the math, then the virus wasn't the issue. That he was, in fact, injured in that early, the first scrimmage that the Penguins had at camp. Uh, I I think you're going to see Sid be available, if not for the scrimmage tomorrow night, then definitely the scrimmage Saturday, based on his going out there today. Based on Jim Rutherford telling Dave Nolnery of our site that he expects to have everyone available for Game 1. Patrick Hornquist was back on the rink. That matters. Patrick Hornquist, of course, was one of the nine players who'd been held out uh, because of uh, what the Penguins referred to as an abundance of caution. And I put that in big old Seinfeldian quotes uh, way back at the beginning of camp. Uh, Hornqvist and the, uh, the missing nine, as I started calling them in print, uh, were back at practice earlier in the week. Uh, but today was the first time that he was with the full group. And... To have him, I mean, I don't need to tell anybody what Patrick Horncus means to the Penguins, especially around playoff time. So it, it's a good situation uh, that would be made that much better if those guys can be completely healthy.
0: Um any major concerns or even minor concerns as they get set to uh, head up into the bubble of Toronto? Well,
1: yeah, I'd say there's one and I'd say it's being (laughs) pretty, pretty widely discussed and and that's the goaltending. And, uh, you know, everyone wants to see the best version of Matt Murray and they don't want to wait for it. And they don't want to see Murray do that thing where he has to wait till he's pushed to be better. Uh, Tristan Jari has been the better goaltender through, through practices and through the couple of scrimmages. Now, you, you know, and I've said this myself, you can't evaluate and make a decision based on that. They still have a lot of time, at least in, in the current context, uh, between July 22 and August 1 to see a lot of practices, a lot of scrimmages. They've got the exhibition against the Flyers. I'm sure the goaltenders will split that. Uh, that's on the 28th up there and in, inside the bubble. Uh, you have to think that Murray is going to be the default number one, don't you?
0: Absolutely, yeah. I don't think there's so, any question.
1: But, but it's a weird situation, Albie, and it's a best of five. And what you don't want to do is lose game one to Carey Price, and then have to beat Carey Price in three out of four games. You follow me? And that—that's you're you're tempting fate a little bit too much. No matter how much better and deeper the Penguins' skater roster is than Montreal's, which it is.
0: Yeah, I was, uh, I've was. i talked to a few people about how different this will be from a viewing standpoint, and, and stick with me here for a second. I know it's different. The format is different and the way they're playing the games and the way they're all in the bubble of Toronto is different, but it is fascinating from a viewer standpoint, from a fan standpoint. I don't think you could have any better buildup to a game than, than a Saturday night game uh, on Channel 11, um, watching the Penguins after this long layoff, I think it's going to be great. Great, it will sports. for the
1: viewer. What I worry about is the participant. I asked Matt Murray a couple days ago. I said, you know, I said, dude, you started a, a clinching game in San Jose. You started a clinching game in Nashville. Two of the loudest, most raucous atmospheres we've seen in the league, probably in sports over the past decade, with what was going on in those two cities. And now you're going to take the ice for Game One, and it's going to be crickets. Right. Like, what's that going to be like? And he said, you know what? You're just going to have to adjust. I'm going to embrace it for what it is okay. uh, once I go out there. And that's that.
0: All right. Thanks for the thoughts on the pens. And we're back with more halftime adjustments right after this. And welcome back for our, Final segment here. Our final longer segment on halftime adjustments. Then there's the NFL, Dan. Uh, you know, they went. The Steelers lost that Hall of Fame game. Then they cut four preseason games down to two. Um, lack of preseason. The impact of that uh, as they're talking about wiping it out altogether. Yeah, it, there isn't going
1: to be any preseason, albie It's gone. And the the scary part of that. Yeah, Gary's a relative term in 2020. So let me see if I can find a better one here. <laughs> the more challenging aspect of that that's a good one. is that the players uh, are going to have to walk into a season opener um, with whatever contact you can manufacture in a, in an internal or interest squad setting. Um, that's not easy to do. Uh, you know, Mike Tomlin is a, big fan, as you know, of contact early in camp. Uh, He has them putting on pads and hitting on the second day in Latrobe. He believes in it. Uh, He believes in just them getting the feel of that, getting the the blood flowing and the juices going and everything else. But this is different. Um, You're not going to be able to see, for example, Ben, and I know he only plays one preseason game and only a quarter or whatever it is, but it's still something. Uh, throwing to Deontay Johnson. He only had a little bit of work with him last summer. You're not going to be able to see Ben trying to establish the same connection with James Washington that Mason Rudolph showed last year. You're not going to see Ben – you're not going to see Chase Claypool or any of these rookies get involved. I'm sorry, you just won't. Uh, that That's the the biggest biggest factor out of all of this. Um, you know, I know a lot of people are excited about Anthony McFarland, the, the running back out of Maryland, who's got that breakaway speed and can, you know, can do like the Willie Parker, uh, you know, 60 yarders and 75 yarders and everything else. Once he finds a big hole, um, you're going to see I'm, you're going to see Kareth White in that spot because Kareth White was there last year.
0: Mike Tomlin's already come out and said this is going to be a camp about guys who have been there. Um, yeah and I think that that's a good point because I think can you imagine being a lower draft pick or or somebody thats signed on as a free agent this is just not it, it won't be your year it, it you how do you, you show yourself yeah yeah what, I mean it's what's I, your I think take? it's it's brutal it's brutal for the rookies that that are lower lower uh, drafted lower or free agents or undrafted
1: just, yeah they have no they have forget them I mean unless they come in and do stuff that's like at a Ryan Shazier's first camp level where you just go. You know, from the first drill, Uh, unless they're doing something like that, you're not going to see, you're not going to see anybody even have a prayer. Uh, I would venture to guess is that you and I are talking right now that the entire 55 man, and yes, it's 55 this year, the entire 55 man roster for the opener, barring injuries is set in stone. I guarantee you, Albie, there isn't a battle to be had, you know?
0: Well, and and when you're talking about wiping out preseason, I mean, the, the two things I've always felt that, that uh, are right at the top of the list for preseason, you fill out the roster and you let the veterans shake off the rust. And uh, both of those things are taken away now. It will be tougher. But the third one that you left off is actually the positive, which is don't get
1: hurt. Yeah. (laughs) It doesn't mean you don't get hurt. People will get hurt in practices, especially if they're physical hard practices, which you can expect that they will be. But I don't think you're going to see the frequency of injuries the way you would if there were four, or in the Steelers' case, five preseason games.
0: And what you, what you want to worry about is when you start the regular season, uh, maybe some of those uh, injuries that, that would come about in preseason don't haunt teams in the first month of the season. First month of the season is going to be unlike any other because uh, who knows what type of football – you're going to see, and getting up to game speed immediately, it's like jumping right into a race and running. There's no time to warm up. No, and that's why I think you're
1: also going to see positions that we might currently see as being in flux not be in flux. Uh, I'll give you an example, and it's the offensive line. Uh, Mike Tallman has already made it mostly clear that Matt Feiler will move from right tackle to left guard, taking Ramon Foster's old spot and that Chooks Okorafor and Zach Banner will battle it out uh, for the right, the now vacancy at right tackle. I'm telling you again, they know who the right tackle is. Okay, that doesn't mean we know, Uh, know, we can have our guesses and everything else here, but they know who the right tackle is and they're counting that the other one won't get hurt or or that the main one, the one they've chosen, won't disappoint them. they have to have that stuff, stuff set up in advance. They can't be guessing at it. Who's going to be your slot receiver? Who's going to be your deep threat? Uh, how are you going to mitigate the loss of Javon Hargrave on, at, at nose tackle on the other side of the football? That's the biggest question mark over there. Um, they have to know these things in advance. And then from there, Albie, is to use every last day out of the five weeks that they have to prepare just to get that group, the fifty-five, ready. Everyone else is going to be like the Greek chorus on Broadway. You know, they're just there to, to 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 go field the punts.
0: Yeah, and you know the the goal. One of the goals from the beginning uh, has been to you know, in addition to the health and safety, obviously, and the protocols, has been to make sure everybody's on a the, the same same rules, even level playing field. And so, what the Steelers are dealing with, everybody else is dealing with as well. That's another plus.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, there's we've heard a lot of that already in baseball and hockey. Well, there's uh, all the other teams are dealing with the same stuff that we are. How do you try to get an edge out of that? The edge comes, in the Steelers' case, from that experience, that even Ben can walk down into that field after a year of not playing at all, you know, going back to week three of last season, and just pick up a football and play. The Steelers have that
0: edge. All right. Thank you, Dan. And back with our final thoughts here on Halftime Adjustments right after this. And back with our final minute, literally, of halftime adjustments. Hey, Dan, you talked about your plane ticket and the fact that uh, the Penguins are starting up uh, a week from Saturday in Toronto against Montreal. And, yeah, we're looking at football not too far in the distance. It's here. It's Yeah, here. It's, it's, it's
1: almost here. The, the, uh, <laughs> the fact that, again, walking into a baseball stadium like Bush – uh, and, and past all the statues that they have out there uh, of all the cardinals greats uh, and, and the, the, the passion that exists in that city uh, for baseball and to have the place be empty. yeah it's here but it's still weird and it's going to continue being weird. you know what have you thought about these
0: crowd noise things you know? Uh, weird. I know it's weird. It's, it's, it's very bizarre but that's that's life in 2020. I think everybody mm-hmm. just has to adapt. Appreciate your thoughts day, and as usual, that's halftime adjustments for the week.